0: And Welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer, and I'm a uh, RPG designer. Well, I, I don't know why I paused there, because I am one. And I'm also one half of Wannabe Games. Weird pause. Hopefully no weird pauses. My co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig.
1: No promises on the pauses. Um, I'm Craig Campbell. I own Nerdburger Games, and I am also a role-playing game designer. And we have with us today, a guest, Jason Pitt. Hello. Appearance number 2. Thank you for having me back.
2: Uh so uh Jason Pitts, he him Genesis of Legend Publishing Incorporated. <laughs> I am now MegaCorp. Really small MegaCorp. <laughs> um
0: MiniCorp. Mini.
2: And uh yeah, so game designer, publisher, layout monkey barista, you name it.
0: Layout Monkey Barista is a great name for a video game.
1: It kind of is. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I want to play that. That's our running joke on the (laughs) podcast now. Is that like we every every game every episode we somebody suggests a game idea and everybody's like, ooh.
0: Uh well we are going to talk about playing and we're going to talk about running games and designing games as we always do. We have two great topics for today. Uh Craig, what, what is our first topic? What's our GMing topic?
1: Oh, we're talking about leveling up. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of games that don't have levels built into them, just at ad- character advancement, how you advance the characters, when, how, what. You know, using games that have different types of advancement systems, whether they're accumulated experience points or whether the GM or the story dictates milestones and uh, just kind of how to handle all of those things and and, and ways to kind of... Uh, to do it, and things to keep in mind while handling all that, because all the players love to have their characters advance and gain something new, whether it's greater power, so to speak, or more versatility, or access to something that uh, becomes important and, and comes into play in later gameplay. Sometimes there are things that are locked into, like you can't get it until you're you, you played for a while, until the characters are a certain level or have a certain number of advancement points. All those fun things. So. I'll open it to the floor.
0: It's a pri- it's a surprisingly controversial topic. It seems like every other month I see something going around on Twitter with people arguing about milestone leveling and and where where you should start your campaign at what advancement level or how should you do advancements. It's um, it's surprisingly controversial. I think the weirdest take I saw on it was that when, when you award milestone advancements that you're just putting more power into the hands of the GM. But I, I completely disagree with that because with milestones, my preferred way of advancing characters in some of those traditional RPGs like D&D, um, I don't like to do math on XP. It's not fun for me. And we do a lot of other kinds of problem solving that aren't just killing things and gaining treasure and solving puzzles and traps. I I don't just decide unilaterally when my characters are advancing in milestones. I do this thing called talking to my players and, and figuring out what they want. I know, <laughs> gasp. <laughs> um, oh my so goodness. I just, I just find that that is, it's a weird argument that I've seen pop up. I don't think it's a popular opinion or anything like that. I think it's people who want to be, um, just anti-something. And yeah, I, I, I love I prefer milestone leveling. I don't like to have to attach a specific like XP number, like you fight so many skeletons and now you are level two. I don't like that.
1: Well, I think that one of the things that people who are very in favor of XP leveling, one of the things that they they love about it is that it's integrated into the game. It feels like it's part of the game, like, right. You've got all the rules for how you do things and, and subsystems for different optional things that are built in there. And so you build this game that has all these rules. And then the XP system is usually built around a set of rules as well. So there, it has a completeness to it. Mm-hmm. There's a synergy to how everything kind of is supposed to function together. Like you do all these things and you gain XP for doing X, Y, and Z. And then there comes a point where you can level. There's there's the added benefit of like, you know, for people who want to really get crunchy and get down into those numbers is that the GMs, can award XP after every encounter that earns XP and characters, you know, a player could level their character mid game, which could be an interesting and fun thing. If like it suddenly opens up a new ability or a spell level or something like that. Now you got to be careful with players, like getting analysis paralysis and potentially bogging the game down while they, while they level their character, and if you if you've talked to players to do it that way, and the players kind of know what they're planning to do at the next level, they can implement that pretty quickly. They got it all in their hip pocket, and they just unleash it all at that moment. And then then uh, you know, but that also plays into like, well, why aren't the characters all leveling together at the same time? And you know, there's arguments to, for and against that. So yeah, like I think there's a lot of complexity to the whole issue, and that's why Jess, you you see so much, so many hot takes. <laughs> where people just don't appreciate this way and they think this way is better. And then even within this version, they like this subset of how it functions because that's like that's the thing that gives them the most pleasure when playing the game. Yeah. So
2: one of the interesting things there is, uh, so I was classically trained under an old school DM who ran first ed and basic kind of stuff well before the OSR mm-hmm. existed. And in uh, technically, if you follow like the first ed and earlier rules, you don't level up immediately. That means that you are now able to do training and go and do uh, like a two-week training thing. And if you can't find someone to train you, you don't level up. Also, you don't get any more XP. Until you train? Until you train. Until you find a trainer to train you, you.
1: So you could save the world. Yes, Defeat to the arch lich that yes. no one else could ever possibly defeat because you're the heroes of the story and you don't become better by the rules, rules as written. That's wonderful. That is where that's, that's a, that's a rule structure that was built and was accepted for a long time. Sure. Well, and I
2: see there, there's actually a lot of interesting benefits there in that it's forcing you to have trainers. It's forcing you to interact with the social web. Um, mm-hmm. Like there, there, that's interesting. If you're a level one fighter, you need to find a higher level fighter to teach you. And now you have more social connections with the community of fighters, the order of uh, sticks and boards who will train you in the ways of murder. I mean, that is an interesting element that was brought in unintentionally into those early versions of D&D.
0: Well, that's why I had to train under the assassin. I had to find and and please and appease the assassin skill before I was allowed to gain levels in assassin. Uh, when I first started playing, I was not successful in doing that because I was not a very smart player.
1: Am I missing something or is there an inherent flaw in the you must find a trainer trainer scenario? If, if I want to advance to 19th level, I have to find a 20th level trainer, but that 20th level trainer needed a 21st level trainer to get there. So there is no 21st level trainer or 22nd or 23rd for the 20th to get any higher. So the highest I can go is 19th because the 20th is the highest that person could ever go. And eventually you're going to have a world full of first level fighters that never gain XP. Uh, Not quite. What's what am I missing? So there's two things you're
2: missing. One (laughs) Note that there's a uh, level limits on certain classes, so only humans have unlimited level progression. Well, and your elves are going to stop at level 12. And two, the gods actually have <laughs> class levels, so you can always go train under Balder,
1: and he will train <laughs> you how God? to be a better fighter you can never but it's also there there's still an upper limit on that and if somebody kills yes, the, if somebody kills the, the upper limit but, is right how
2: powerful are the
1: gods and
2: right, right. but if somebody really kills to go past if somebody
1: gods. kills all the gods then like there, there comes because like the assumption i guess is that the mortal people are going to die eventually so they they, they can't tap out at a certain point they can't go i don't know okay I, oh I that you, I would be you. really interesting we don't though. have to go down that road anymore but i just i just found that interesting It's like it the, 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 that system implies that you have to train under gods eventually
0: well, that would yes. be really interesting. You go, you great. go, you go, murder all the gods, and you cause this chaos spiral where no one can advance. It's this big stagnation, and then you can go on a quest to try to like, okay, we need to elevate somebody to godhood right now. Otherwise, we're never getting past this level. That's we'll a also- great. That's
1: a great plot for a villain in a campaign. Is the villain's going to wipe out all the gods so that nobody can ever attain those high levels, and eventually the the thing that I described, the you know like. Every generation, like you'll never get up above, you know, you, 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 know, no fighter can get to 21st level because there's no 22nd level fighter to train them and it'll just keep getting lower and lower and lower. Um, and eventually everybody will be easily conquerable and the villain can just swoop in <laughs> and de- de- decimate all the level one fighters in the world. Except then the villain <laughs> is going to
2: train their minions. Some of their minions will hive off and rebel and sure. train their own level anyway, two anyway. and level three fighters.
0: Ooh. Oh, it's a pyramid scheme. It's just <laughs> a pyramid the MLM. Scheme. It's the MLM of I love, I love these meta conversations about like XP and leveling from these like traditional kinds of RPGs because like, I, like people like those systems. I agree, because you can kind of gamify them in a way, like this weird meta way. I, I saw another really interesting post where somebody wanted to like farm a bunch of undead and kill them and then wanted to fast forward years in advance uh, so they could be at level like whatever. Um, and people were saying like, oh, what, what a silly idea, what a silly idea. But you could do a lot of really fun things as a GM using these traditional systems and and adding some thematic elements into it. What is, what, is the, what are the consequences of level creep? What are the consequences of, XP farming, what are the consequences of killing all the gods so nobody can get better? <laughs> what, what are all of those, um, what's the result of you um, gaming the system and what kinds of themes, um, kind of going back to the, the previous episode we just recorded, we were talking about themes of games. What kinds of themes can you bring out with um, a bunch of power hungry players or other characters, antagonists even within a game?
2: So the thing that I find interesting is you can also do things like books and artifacts. Um, so you're going to this village to hear this oral history that trains you on how to do the spear dance. Ah. Yes. Um, like uh, Avatar uh, with the... Uh, the fire skills, yeah. That That is the iconic, wonderful example of how uh, an obligation to have a trainer turns into... Really rich narrative.
0: Yeah, I, I I love that. And then you can also encourage because one of the things that has bothered me about some of the recent iterations of dD in particular is that you feel like you're kind of put on this railroad path but you could make it feel more meaningful to your players by giving them opportunities to train in something that's meaningful to them as a character um, and and make that incorporated instead of just like okay downtime everybody figure out what you're gonna do for your new ability score uh, i, I, I that that's one of the reasons I like powered by the apocalypse style games with their XP system. You gain experience through failing, um, and then at the end of a session, you also gain experience depending on like some of the some of the milestones you've met or haven't met in a game, and that makes it feel more like okay, our advance our advancements are meaning something. I think Burning Wheel also tried to do this. Yep. Um, although that is like way too crunchy for me, but I, I love, like, I love thinking about it, about their system for leveling, like the, the things that you're doing, the things that you're training, um, and, and making that actually something in the game rather than just number go up. I go up too.
2: I mean, also specifically for the, one of the, uh, delightful things with burning wheel is you advance based on how many times you succeed and how many times you fail on a given thing so if you are succeeding too much you have to find ways to make things harder do harder challenges happen to get your arm cut off so you have to do it with a missing arm like you, you have to do something to make things harder so you can fail
0: yeah and, that and creates that's how all, you learn all sorts of narrative things there's you can go like a lot of the the limitations you have as a gm are based on the system that you're playing for your advancements but you can always homebrew some things to take take the things from the games that you like um maybe maybe you award people xp when they have a critical failure or credit success just using these DD terms that we can all be familiar with or maybe you can award xp like you can use always there's no one that tells you you have to do either XP or milestones. You can use a combination of those. I think, I think that there are all sorts of hybrid ways you could you could use. And again, you get to that controversy like, well, if it doesn't work for you, why not just play a different system? But that's, that's a conversation for another day.
2: Also, I'd like to just say, baked into the heart of our tradition is the idea of game hacking and in fact game development like uh like for instance if i was running one of those games with a strict trainer limit uh, once you hit level three or four you'd see some uh young farm kids coming to you and saying can you teach me how to stab things with the spear and now you're the teacher and you have to be tending these young reckless punks while you're trying to stop the ogres from invading and trying to find someone more experienced than you and like okay so how do you teach young reckless punks oh you answer dumb questions like the one I just asked you okay
1: understood (laughs) Luke Luke Skywalker tried to do some of those things didn't go too well
0: (laughs) it didn't go well for him did it did it
1: but it went great for narrative (laughs) <laughs> it
0: did. In Dystopia Rising, in, in this, in this um, post-apocalyptic zombie LARP um, that I played, you also had to find trainers in order to gain certain skills. Um, and some of my favorite role play moments were either training somebody how to do something or learning how to do something from another person. I, I had to learn how to read because you have to actually sit down in this game with somebody for like a half hour or an hour. Right. Role playing, teaching them how to do something—it was so fun um, being taught this by somebody I uh, did not like very much.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, in terms of ways, so uh, fundamentally, XP as currently designed is the core mechanic itself isn't bad, but it's a flawed, simple implementation of the idea. Because why do you need 37 XP instead of 38? Like it's way too discreet when you could literally say you need to get 10 XP to reach
1: level two. And you gain an XP for killing this, for killing a monster, for solving a puzzle. Done.
0: Turning yeah. in 30 crush bone belts, you know. Well, you know,
1: and it's it's one of the, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about things so much in terms of DD. I think there are plenty of other, there are other games out there that, you know, kind of, boil that down to yeah. smaller numbers and stuff. D&D d d is d d like the the reason it's D&D and D is because it's legacy. Like there's there's a certain number of things that are part of d d that they're just never really going to probably um never going to uh remove entirely um or change too much because they've had experiments in those sorts of things and it there's they're poorly received sometimes. Um you know the the dropping thaco and unifying the system um, in third edition was a big, big deal back at the time. It was, um, it was huge, what huge. I was, I was, I was living in Milwaukee. I was living in Milwaukee and I was at the, I was at the, I attended the Gen Con where they announced third edition was coming. And the back of the t-shirt that you got for attending this seminar was FACO bye-bye or something like that. They told you Thacko oh. was going away and everybody lost their effing minds for a year. Until gen, uh, the following Gen Con, when D and D three Third Edition came out, it said on there like you know Bugbear Sorcerer, Woo! Everybody was having fun with that, but it said you know no more that going people. Whoa! Um, but yeah, it's 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 a legacy thing. Like Jason, like Jason said, they could literally just boil it down to like every every ten XP you level and you just assign. Like how I mean, do you get how do you get one XP? You do any of these seventeen things, whatever.
2: Uh, you expose your emotional vulnerability get an XP like <laughs> yeah. you can you can do some change the incentive structure beautifully and I also love the idea that for, for instance let's say you need uh at the end of each session you roll a number of d6 equal to your XP if you get three sixes on the dice that you roll you level up
0: oh that's a that's um the devil's bargain
2: yep but it's a <laughs> you have you're you're Getting more and more XP, which boosts your chances and your likelihood of leveling up each session. But yeah. it's never certain.
0: You can always ask too, like your players, like, "Oh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to? Do you want to go by the book? What level do you want to start at?" That's also important. Um, that Wait, level wait, grand. talking
2: to your players. <laughs> <I know>. Are <laughs> you, you allowed you to do that?
0: that? uh it's yeah so you are and you you are you are greatly encouraged to do that because um if everyone comes into the game with a different idea about uh how powerful and how quickly they want to get there uh or how versatile their characters are and how quickly they want to get to that point um you're gonna have a bad time people are gonna burn out of your game fast i if there, are, I feel like there are probably uh, just a handful of campaigns that have lasted from level one to level your whatever cap is, uh, because people get tired of 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 the grind. Um, so always talk to your players and don't be afraid to change things halfway through if your system of advancement isn't working. Um, and don't also don't be afraid to throw in things that might not necessarily advance the character, but do give them other powers or abilities like through items or or helpers or whatever else is going on.
2: So the the interesting thing with like the percentage thing is you can then you can do things like on oh, you know how I said you need uh sixes to uh level up? Well, if you have a trainer, then you only need fives.
0: Oh, adding some extra. I like that.
2: Like y- y- you can take all have the same amount of complexity in the system but move where it is.
1: You can also uh, like I was when you said you need you know if you get three sixes you level up. Well, what if you get exactly? What if the rule is if you get exactly three sixes, you level up? There comes a point in the game session where you're like, I've got a good number of of things that I've done that are going to earn me a die on that roll, but if I get too many more, I run the risk of rolling four sixes, Um, and so now it becomes like a mini game within itself and now we're kind of getting into design. Well yeah. it, it, but, <laughs> but, but, just, but like but if you could, you could house you, could, you could house rule to, to do that as a GM too.
2: What happens if the level up threshold is you need to get a number of sixes equal to your next level. Level two, you need two sixes. Yeah. Level I've, three, I've, you need three.
1: I've had that I've had that discussion with uh, with world of darkness original world of darkness advancement where like so many of the advancement it was already really it took a long time to advance any of yep. the co- really cool abilities to begin with because the assumption of the game was that you were going to start playing vampire and that's all you were going to ever play and you were going to play three times a week for the rest of your life. <laughs> so you could play a campaign where you're going to play this character that's going to advance all these way in like, you know, a few years. Um and and there was there were there were things that were tied into like, you know, it was a certain number per your the next rating is how yeah. many XP you need. And that was incredibly frustrating. But if you kind of, you know, like if you build, you could, that it would overcome the oft maligned issue with uh, DD and D leveling of starting at first level. And it doesn't really start to get fun until about fifth. Yep. Where you can blow through levels one through four, because you're not needing to get as many successes to just, you know, shoot through like that. Um, and then you get, once you get up into like the mid range of levels, then it starts to even out a little bit more. And then when you get to higher levels, it starts to become like really epic. Like when you finally do level, it becomes a big deal because it took a while to get there. So it, it just creates a different kind of experience. That would be an interesting way to play a game that uses XP is to have some sort of a, a house rule in there that inherently makes it kind of, you know, makes you shoot through the low levels really quickly then even out and then be Yeah, and then just like,
2: curving out
1: like that's interesting and it and it in some ways it can mimic like real world learning about things like when you first start to learn about something you're hungry and you you devour everything you can and you put and you, you make all these intrinsic connections that are important to understanding and, and kind of becoming good at the thing very quickly and then you start to kind of like well now I know a lot of the stuff so learning new learning new stuff is less common Mm -hmm. Because I already know a lot of the the, the base stuff. And then once you get like the really high end stuff, it's because, you know, you know, like it's it's a more, more struggle to discover like a new way to kill somebody with your palm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just to to speak Mm. to the quivering palm monk feature, you know, like it it becomes a much bigger deal. I don't know. It's interesting.
0: No, it is.
1: We're kind of, we're kind of of going back and forth between uh, GMing and and game design. And that's okay. We could do that for the rest of the episode. Because GMing. Is game design
2: game in design in is DMing yeah. in Absolutely. a lot of ways. Like yeah,
0: if you're going beyond what the book is telling you to do for your level advancements, um for your character advancements, then you are engaging in some game design. Yeah.
1: Whenever we talk house rules, we're also talking game design.
0: Yeah. It's where a lot of people get their starts in mm-hmm. in, in game designing in general. Uh, there's there's all sorts of fun things you can do now, too. Um there's a there's a trend in video games with the roguelike games where you know, like Hades style stuff, um, which is I think what most people are familiar with right now, um, where you you go through and you are meant to fail, and then you start back at the original point, but you have those and you keep going and you keep collecting abilities and you keep getting advancements until you are finally able to over overcome an odd. Uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fun stuff you can take from the video game world, um, especially in some of those recent trends that could go really well with your game. So um, exploring not just the world of tabletop games or analog games, but going on into the video game realm, uh, which uh, is just really rich for it because with the video game, you are trying to appeal to usually just one player and you need to make sure that they're getting those dopamine hits of their advancements so they keep playing because that's the ultimate goal of of the game, um, there's no reason that you shouldn't um, do the same for your tabletop game. I also I mentioned too, like the failure systems, um, like leveling up when you fail, or uh, maybe there is a point where you stagnate, or maybe you all start off as godlike characters and you don't level up, you level down. Like, there's all sorts of fun things you could do.
1: Milestones. Um, we, we started there and kind of went into all sorts of interesting things with leveling.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, and XP just
1: and training. A lot on my mind. mind. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Like, Jason brought up some great points and we just dug down that rabbit hole for a while. Um, Milestones. Yeah. Uh, uh, Like Jess was saying at the beginning, not necessarily just the GM saying, okay, now it's a milestone. You can have like, well, just tell the players, we're going to advance the characters every four sessions you can do that that creates an expectation in the players they know that they know when their character is going to advance they can they know when to start planning for it you know like just for for players that are very busy in their lives that um that might be useful to be like i don't have to worry about advancing this character and looking you know digging through the book and looking at all these different options until i get to you know 3 weeks from now and that's when i'm going to be a week out from advancing
0: yeah. Jason mentioned like revealing important character emotions. Yeah. Um, Cause that could be a way where like, if that's your use of a milestone, I personally like to hold on to some of those character revelations because it, it, for me, it makes for a more rich story for my player. Uh, and then when I'm like, well, okay, if I reveal it now, I do get those, those advancements, uh, but then I have to let go of my secret and I have to think of something new for my character to do. Um, and that can really tie into to those milestones too, making it meaningful.
2: Yeah, it's, um, I actually was designing a game, uh, which I had nicknamed, it was a D&D setting, uh, which I nicknamed uh, the Blue Helms. And I had a strict rule. You must apply XP leveling uh, for violence. And if you solve only if you solve problems without violence and like peacekeeping style work, can you use milestones? Okay. And there's an explicit rule: you must use this painful system. Yes, there's a point because milestones are much more comfortable, much easier cognitively, and they feel a lot more rewarding. Um, whereas the you know classic XP crawl is i mean despite the fact that it's it it, ignoring the fact that it's entirely a murder recorder recording system
1: (laughs) um that's such a good way to put it 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 can't to be fair it can be you can also build xp charts and and values for doing you know non-murder things (laughs) but yeah a lot of it is uh, like I
2: actually appreciate uh, some of the old old uh, DMD stuff where they gave XP for gold. Yeah, yeah. where and it's played, like, no, your job is to get fucking rich. Sorry, <laughs> pardon my language.
1: Yeah, I played. I played in a campaign where the the GM also like made made an explicit note. Like when he when he handed out uh, XP at the end of the session, he said, "Well, you know, he had this, 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 and this, and like he would say, and then the, you also the group, you know, I threw in 500 XP because of this, and it was a role playing thing that you did, or yep. I threw in you know. um now." we were playing D and and that GM um, who a lot of people know <laughs> um, in the industry now, like I personally felt at the time that he unders, like he under rewarded for those sorts of things, but we were also playing D and D. And so the expectation sort of was that like, like Jason said, it's mostly a murder tally.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the other half of it is um, what does leveling get you in a lot of the older systems? more murder capability
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah like and so it makes sense that you can you can either murder murder bigger things or murder more things more versatilely Um in more, in more different ways so like it makes sense that if
2: the thing you're learning uh is uh how to murder things you should get experience from murdering things
0: yeah that's true. Now
2: that points out the fact that maybe you should be getting, you should be gaining abilities to do things other than homicide, because <laughs> that 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 doesn't that sound like a richer game. When you reach level three, you can learn what emotion someone is feeling um, and expressing non-verbally. When you reach level four, you can find the most. Um, important uh member of the community and social and of the social fabric there's a lot of sweet interesting stuff there um that is not directly violence and if you if you enable that kind of benefit for gaining levels then you also enable uh tracking of those kinds of appropriate actions to um uh, gain xp and to grow
0: you could also uh, kind of along those same lines you could think of designing your level advancements as kind of a tree and there could be like here are two options for you there's an option where you learn a murder skill and an option where you learn a social skill and depending on what you end up doing first you're going to gain one of those two things but then it closes off that other path for you uh i i think I think that that would be also a way for people to be able to level up quickly in the middle of a game without bogging things down. If they're given two choices and well, depends on how depends on what you're going to do. Right. And that could also be tied within that, that character choice. You're, you're gaining your murder skill from doing some murder and you're gaining your social skill for doing
1: some empathy. As we're talking here, I'm designing the, uh, the level advancement, um, for code warriors, lots of great ideas. I'm <laughs> jotting down what ifs. Oh no, I, there's there's tweak.
0: there's so much in there.
2: Uh, one of my games that I'm working on is uh, Circles of Power, and I'm intentionally building in an apprentice training procedure because you're all wizards,
1: hmm. right? Thematically, it fits. Right. So
2: you're so you're training apprentice wizards, uh, who are a uh, they're a common resource. Every player can use these, uh, play these apprentices until they become full-blown wizards. Uh, And then they become alternate characters that people can play. I like that. Um, But, oh, and of course, all the wizards are different kinds of wizards from the wizards that exist. So you have an illusionist and a diviner trying to teach this hot-headed person to not throw so many fireballs. Because really, no, no, (laughs) that apprentice, we needed that barn.
0: That's a good way to encourage the player discourse too same. So if your goal is if it's with your game design is to have a lot of player to player discourse instead of a lot of GM to player discourse, having the collaborative kind of training modes in there um, you can really can really bring that about. Um, you can also, like with the means of magic, um, there are different ways that you can gain skills. You have one that you actively want to do. Um, you have one that can if you like you're you're trying to learn it you have one where you have the opportunity to do something new and then you can add that as your new skill or um, the at the end of a session or and during some downtime the table can discuss like hey you were you know you were being really hot-headed in this in this quest you did a lot of like um for like like you rushed into battle, you were doing all this stuff, I think it'd be good for you to have a skill that involves being faster or like thinking on your feet or something like that. So um, like thinking about what do you want your players to do in that meta sense and connecting that to your um, advancement system? Because in our game, we wanted a lot of collaboration within the table instead of the GM telling you to do everything. I'm also thinking like, I might as well go three for three with Legend of Zelda. Um, in Legend of Zelda, Link becomes stronger in two ways: one, he defeats bosses, so he has these milestones, and two, he discovers chests with heart pieces uh, by doing puzzles and and exploring the world. Uh, so, uh, if you want your if you want your players to explore, reward them. Have 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 a method in there to reward them for exploring.
1: As a GM or as a designer? Yeah,
0: both. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, with this level of yeah, thing, it's, the, it's all, all over the place. place. We're,
1: we're talking about both through the whole episode here. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, one of the things, too, that I, I I like to think about, and it it's something to, to give thought to as a GM when you're looking at leveling up and when leveling happens um, or advancements or whatever you want to call them, and it's also something that's worth looking at as the designer, and if it's something you want to incorporate, is what implicitly or explicitly changes about the world or style of play of the game as the character's level using dnd as an example when you start out you are fighting you know orcs and ogres and and uh, skeletons and whatnot as the character's level they fight bigger and bigger threats the, the, the typically that blows the game out from like i'm saving the town or the region to saving the kingdom to saving the world to saving the multiverse it it Creates a more epic scale, and that's one of the things that the game does. Is it brings it? It, it takes the characters from local heroes to saving the universe, um, and you can incorporate those types of things into um, into your game design as well. And and it's just something worth keeping in mind when you're when you're GMing. I mean, I've literally I'm toying with a lot of different ideas and trying to nail it down. But for Code Warriors, they you're playing programs inside of a computer. Um, and the system is crashing. And because of that, because you are tied so directly, like your character can't exist outside of the system. They live in that computer world they're dependent upon it. And so when it go, when it fails completely it means the end of your existence and so as the as the system degrades your character suffers and the world suffers for that so like as you're building a way for like as you advance in the game and as you progress down the road of the of the storytelling in the game your characters are advancing and becoming better but they're also gaining glitches and doing and have things that are bad bad things are happening um, there's detrimental you know, problems that they have to deal with. And then also the system itself is like the, you know, different regions of the system might be affected negatively or just be destroyed outright. Like the, the this, this quadrant in the system might just, okay, everything's gone. It just deleted and there's no backup because the system is failing and the backup has failed. Um, and so that informs kind of like what the game is like and is about and how, uh, you know, leveling kind of plays into um how the game changes over time.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of cool thematic stuff you could do within that. You could even have something like, all right, you have this, you have this NPC who is like their data is corrupting and, one way that they can potentially live on is by being absorbed into another um, player character, maybe, and that maybe that's... Like, you make that really terrible, tough decision, like, okay, we're going to delete you forever, but at least part of you will live on, and then you get one of their skills, or... Um, yeah, i yeah mean, sorry, did,
2: did you just to two, I,
0: I don't know what that is, so...
1: Controversial Star Trek Voyager episode. Oh, tu- Tuvix? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, Tuvix. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't watch. Where we of-
1: up? Where, where Janeway up and murdered a person? Oh. Well, so uh, <laughs> two people got uh,
2: merged into one person by the transporter because by that's the what transporter. transporters do. <laughs> that merged person effectively said, "No, I want to exist." So the captain
1: forcibly shoved them back in the transporter, split them into two people. And and murdered the combined person who was a wholly different entity. Yikes! <laughs> yep,
0: that's I love oh, moral quandaries. I, I know. Love <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's fun.
1: It's it's a it's it's a episode that has a lot of strong feelings associated with it by a lot of fans. Some people defend one uh, side of it very vehemently, and some people defend the other. As as we've been talking here, I I just wrote like Jess. I wrote down more ideas from what you're saying. Keep them coming. You're helping me design a game. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) If I stop talking for a little while, it's everybody. It's because I'm typing (laughs) as these people are talking. Um, So back in
2: D&D land, there was also the fact that uh, when you gain certain levels, you got a castle, you got a church, you got institutions that you were now responsible for changes the nature of the game which changes the nature of the game
1: yep
2: um so expanding the scope of issues that you have to deal with is a fascinating um area of design uh because quite frankly yeah no um you have different problems a (laughs) someone who produces games in PDF only doesn't have to worry about trans-specific shipping. That,
1: that is a leveling <laughs> thing. Uh,
0: so what, some might call that right now a leveling now <laughs> with how awful it's been. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I just keep, I keep thinking of these, these video game levelings too, like, um, or, or even comic books, like, um, uh, there's in Kirby, Kirby gets new powers by eating enemies, but you can only load one of those new things at a time. Or I'm um, thinking like Rogue from the X Men uh, can temporarily or sometimes permanently um, in some bad situations. Yes, <laughs> by absorbing other people's powers. Um, if you really want to make your characters make some moral decisions, um, <laughs> what what kinds of uh, if you only make it tied to like the enemies that they are destroying, um, that's how you you level up. Uh, you could you could make some really fun moral and ethical quandaries with your game thematically and at the character to character basis. What's your um What's your favorite game with uh, like What's your favorite advancement system in an in an already existing game?
1: Oh jeez, I have to go look at my list. Look at my look at my my shelves because <laughs> I'm there, there's a, something.
2: there's a bunch of them that are fascinating. Uh, one of the actually the one of the really good ones um, was a old new world of darkness uh, game, Promethean, which was uh, all about um, artificially created. Beings that were trying to learn how to be human, data style, um, and they had thresholds like um, uh, enter a romantic relationship with someone, uh, earn someone's trust, uh, buy a house, like oh, like you identified a bunch of milestones. Um. And if you made enough of these, you could, uh, through internal alchemy, turn into a real boy. Okay. Now, um, because while you're an artificial being, all of nature hates you. Uh, So, like, animals attack you, kind of, like, you poison the waters around you. Like, it's bad. So, you're trying to become real. The fun part is a mandatory milestone that every one of these characters has is create another Promethean. Oh. So you must have equal or more Prometheans in the world. You can't stop being one unless you make a replacement.
0: That's fun.
2: I also love Rowan Rook and Deckard's uh, game um heart uh there's level up powers and the last one uh like the, the most powerful one you can get is a finale move which is super powerful and you die so it's things like uh one of them has you summon the last ghost train from this uh subway mystical subway system and it will smash through this area destroying everything and it destroys you <laughs> yes that is awesome i am like oh I can break everything
0: but I die <laughs> I
2: die but I can break everything that's like that feels rewarding it's a good end to the story
0: this just reminds me of Madoka Magica, which I don't want to spoil on the off chance that someone listening hasn't watched it yet. But um, you'd think that you would think that this uh, magical girl anime would be nice and peppy and stuff, but it's not. Um, but there's there's a lot of very similar um, problems uh, for the characters there um, that they have to present. The the cost of power is um, a theme. In, in that anime I, I i love that as 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 a theme to explore i i love if i i don't know maybe i'm a little evil on the inside i love to put my my players and i love to be put as a player through some some um, bad choices where there's there's no good there's no good option um of course you know make sure that that's okay with everybody before you start playing but i i, I love that it's so juicy
1: one of my favorites, and this isn't surprising because I talk about this game quite a bit, is the original Deadlands, um, which used, it, it leaned in heavy to its uh, theme and, you know, with using playing cards and XP was all built in chips, poker chips. You had a pot of chips that there were red, white, and blue chips in. Um, and there were, I, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I played, but there was white chips, there was a lot of them, red chips was a middling amount and blue chips, there was only a handful. And the white chips were weaker, the red chips were middling, and the blue chips were more powerful. And when you did any of a number of things that you could get a draw from the fate pot, and you randomly picked a chip out. Um, and then those chips became like currency for you and you could spend them to gain a bi- uh, uh, bonuses to rolls and whites gained you a small advantage and blue you know reds were better and blues were gained you a, a greater advantage um or you could also spend the chips at the end of the session as xp and it was white for one reds were two blues were three so you you find yourself kind of gaming the system sometimes if you knew you needed six xp to gain an ability and you had one white one red and one blue chip that's six points do i spend that Chip to gain a bonus on this thing that I'm doing in game where I really like man, the group really needs a win right here. I somebody really needs to to succeed on this check. Um, and then hope that you're gonna be able to maybe earn some more chips before the game is the session is over. Like there was a whole subset to how you played it. And also the neat one of the neat things was when you spent the white chip, you got a minor bonus to your role. When you spent the red or blue chip, either one of them, you got a bigger bonus. It was the same bonus for a red or blue chip but with a red chip the marshal the gm got to draw another chip for their pot to use for the bad guys so the blue chips were really useful because they gave you the big bonus and the gm didn't get another chip but they were also worth three xp
0: yeah and so
1: it was a great system for like again it let it leaned in hard to the gamble
0: that's a great way to include those leveling up systems within the actual mechanics of the game, like not just at the end of a session or the end of a milestone. I yeah, that's that's my players awesome. thought about
1: it all the time
0: when yeah, we were playing.
1: People would be, be saying, like, I really don't want to spend any chips right now.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> I wanna, kind of a, I wanna,
1: I wanna gain another huckster hex. You know, I just like
0: Yeah, it's both kind of like that marshmallow problem, like you, you sit a child my in a room. Cognition. You sit a child in a room with a marshmallow, and you tell them, don't eat this marshmallow until I get back and I'll give you two marshmallows instead. Yeah. <laughs> and also kind of yep. like, with those, marshmallow. yeah, of course, with <laughs> most of these kids, right?
2: Also, can can we just like tangent off of that of, oh, bad social experiment, bad, yes. <laughs> bad,
0: bad. Yeah. Uh, but it also like that. That also kind of creates those like fun because for Deadlands too. Like these, these I I I've always found at least when I have played the game, there's a little bit of a conflict between: Am I gonna do what's good for the group or am I gonna do what's good for me? Uh, and that's that's another fun thing you can do. Those those bennies. I don't have. I asked that question. And I don't have. I don't have a favorite leveling up system. Ha ha.
1: <laughs> Trick you. It's uh. I want to, I want to design a game that has like that kind of beauty and depth to, mm-hmm. to the XP system where there's like, it becomes its own little game within the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these days I will, <laughs> I just it's... haven't found the game that it really fit the way I wanted.
0: Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of predictive power to make a oh, system and like that.
1: Yeah. Just from, from a uh, standpoint too, like, especially from the, the game designer standpoint, is um the XP system needs to be play tested. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it's anything more than just like you you gain points and you eventually level up. If there's any of that kind of stuff we've been talking about, where you know you can affect how the world functions, you can spend points in different ways. You know, it it really does need to, to get play tested. You want to see. And and sometimes with some direction, yeah. it might be worth having the group and say, okay, like if you were using that deadline system, I had if I had 10 play test groups, I'd tell these three, you three play test groups, spend those chips like crazy on dice rolls. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And these three groups over here don't spend them on dice rolls at all. Mm-hmm. Um, use them to XP and level your characters. Let's see what happens, and then they ha- and then tell the other four to just play it the way you want to play it, or you know, play middle ground or whatever, and just see like compare the the, the, the different ways that it, the different play experiences that it creates, and figure out what it is that you want your game to be. Because you will have groups that just blow through those chips, <laughs> whatever the currency is. <laughs> Why should yep. I worry about leveling my character if they're not going to survive right yes, now?
0: Yes, exactly. Like, that's how <laughs> I always feel. Like, hold on. I, I feel that way, and then I don't do it. It's,
1: it's, <laughs> it's, it's
0: again, you're collecting all like, of your Phoenix down. Or you have, the, you, you, have players,
1: the you have players on the opposite spectrum is like, well, I, I'm not going to spend these points until I really need them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're too important. GM mm-hmm. doesn't give out enough. The system doesn't reward me as much as I would like. Like, I got to save these for when they really mean something yeah like and there's as a designer just throwing this out there for anybody aspiring there's no way you can predict any of that players are going to play they way the way they're going to play all you can do is just give them the tools and let them take it the direction that they that they enjoy it and trust them that they will house rule it to make it work for them if it's not quite what they're looking for
0: and there's nothing that says you have to have an advancement system if your if your game is meant to be a one-shot one kind of scenario thing you, do you need a level up system Probably
1: not. I mean, I slammed one into die laughing, even though most of your characters are gonna die, and that's the point of the game. But that's because that allowed me to do sequels.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so the character doesn't advance their character so much as they play the, the player plays a different template because now they're the survivor of the first game and their template is a little different.
0: Well, this is very hard. And it allows them to do you.
1: it allows them to do different cool things that the survivor gets to do in this in part two.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you always see like in a horror movie, like, oh, wow, this character is getting all this equipment and they're learning things and they're being smart. They're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be dead.
1: <laughs> and they're going to fall and they're going to fall through the ice and into nothingness with all that equipment that the other characters could use. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or it's all going to catch on fire or get dropped in the vat of acid or whatever. Right? They're like, <laughs> Or
0: they're going to become... Uh, the bad guy
1: now and <laughs> now, now they're all geared up yeah they're gonna get turned yeah. into a vampire <laughs> and they suddenly have an oh i'm the vampire uh, number two and, vampire and now and off. i've got all the va- and i've got all the vampire killing equipment <laughs> because you loaded me for bear because i'm the strong i was tr- the strongest character unfortunately <laughs> my mind was weakest and the vampire dominated me <laughs> <laughs> Oops. oops <laughs> Now here's a here's here's a, a bunch of pencils and some band aids. Fight me!
0: Here's a bunch of pencils make a character because that's what <laughs> was going to happen at that point. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, there's there's a lot of ways you can go with with advancements. Um, it's 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 not necessarily vestigial, but it's classic because we like it's it's one of the ways you can create some some diversity some some difference um, in your game some some new flavors and textures within the same game
1: it's it's a it's a reward that's in the system that's always in the system no matter how you play who you play what you know what themes you know no matter whether you're playing D as an adventure game to just fight monsters you get something out of fighting monsters or if you're playing D as a social political game where you're like barely fighting anything and you're gaining all these interesting insights into you as a per- yourself as a person and you're portraying characters and trying on different identities and doing all these different social things and exploring like what's the idea of, what's what's bigotry like you know like let's look like look at that through the lens of the game um but then there's you know and, and so even if you you know whether you have any of those other rewards that are you kind of build into the game for yourselves, there's always like, there's always leveling up. <laughs> there's always, you know, like gaining something for your character that is a little a reward, a little pat on the back, a little shot of uh, dopamine for, you know, thanks for playing.
0: <laughs> Just like in real life. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Uh, before we wrap up, are there any final thoughts on leveling up?
1: I think we just leveled up as podcasters.
0: We did. Yeah. Everyone just, gained 500 XP.
1: We just talked about both both topics at the same time, <laughs> rather than strictly dividing them into two segments.
0: Very nebulous segments. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, in which case I need to add a
2: tangent for an additional XP.
0: Oh, yes. Um, uh, proceed.
2: Uh, sometimes leveling up is uh, changing the configuration on your character sheet. It is change, not increase. hmm and that can be equally valuable um, because what people want is not necessarily advanced, but they want evolution.
0: Yeah. I think that's spot on. Like I like systems that allow me to even get rid of a skill that I don't use anymore that I don't think is with my character anymore. Cause my character has advanced, not just level wise.
2: <laughs> or degraded. Degraded right. is also fun. Yeah. Oops. I can <laughs> no longer do this. Oh no. <laughs>
0: I lost a piece of my soul uh, because I sold it to the God of death and now I have this really cool weapon, but (laughs) (laughs) Jason, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's always a blast.
0: Yeah. Where can we find you? Where can we find your stuff? And what do you want to tell us about? What do you want to tell the audience about your stuff?
2: Well, uh, you can find me at... Uh, www.genesisoflegend.com or .ca uh, at Genesis of Legend on Twitter. I recently released my game uh, Sig City of Blades uh, which is currently available as part of the um, uh, 2021 Forged in the Dark bundle of holding.
0: That's on my bookshelf back there.
2: Until the end of December 2021. If you're listening to this. Um... And uh yeah, and beyond that, I'm continuing to work along with um uh jammy on our uh game uh once more into the void, which is an homage to Mass Effect 2. So uh yeah, we've got a lot in the pipeline.
0: Awesome. I can be found on Twitter at at Josca. You can also find my games at wannabegames.com or on drive through RPG or on itch.
1: And I am at nerdburger craig on twitter the website is nerdburgergames.com. and the games are also at drive through rpg.com
0: and thank you so much for our intro and outro music steph sax's song Avo. i always mix up which one's going to be the the first one i say "Avell" is the name of the song it was licensed under creative commons thank you steph sax and thank you all listeners for listening to us and we'll see you back here next time Bye.
2: bye, bye.
0: Hey everybody, it's Jess again. I just wanted to make sure that I'm giving proper credit to the song that we used in our opening and closing. That was Avel by Steph Sacks, which was licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks, Steph Sacks!